theyeshiva.net. Hechel Menachem presents a tale of two souls, an ongoing lecture series on the Tanya by Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Jacobson. This is the sixth tape in the series entitled The Jewish Animal, recorded live at Hechel Menachem, Brooklyn, New York. Two dots. The explanation in the Indian is in order to understand what is going on over here, to understand if so, what is the true definition of a tzaddik, a benini, and a rasha, and what concerns us most is the benini. This is the safer shall benenim that deals with the, the average human being and every human being. So we have to probe into the human condition and examine who we are on the deepest level. So this will be explained al Pimashakos of Harab Chaim Vitalza. Bisharagdusha in light of what Rabchaim Vital writes in Sharagdusha Bait Chaim Sharnum Perud Bais. Rabchaim Vital was the greatest pupil and disciple of the Ariza Rabbi Tzchakluria the sixteenth century, one of the greatest mystics in Judaism. He lived in Tzvas. Rabchaim Vital was his faithful Talmud who transcribed all of his Torah and the wisdom of the Ariza, so we have them today. One of his farms is called Sharagdusha, another one is called Eitzchayim. Both fundamental works in the field of Kabbalah. Shreb Chaim Vital writes in those Svarim, the Lechal Ish Yisrael, every single Jew, Echad Tzadik Vechad Russia. Both a Tzadik and a Russia. Yesh Te Nishamas. Each one of them possesses two Nishamas, two souls. Diksiv. <coughs> He brings a pasuk in Yeshaya Perik Nuzayin. It says, "Kiruach melafani yatayf uneshamais aniyasisi." Yeshaya Navi quotes the Eberster as saying, "Ruach melafani yatayf, a spirit will emanate from me that will be humbled uneshamais aniyasisi." I created neshamais, as proven from the fact that the beginning of the pasuk speaks about veruach in an individual term, not in a plural term. So when he says on Neshamis and Yasisi, I created Neshamis, he's not addressing the collective Klal Yisrael that I created Neshamis for all of them. He's addressing the individual and he's saying in a plural terminology, Neshamis and Yasisi. What do you mean I made souls in every person? So he explains that every single human being possesses two Neshamis, two souls. Shehein shtein nefashis. This Neshamis is referring to shtein nefashis. Two distinct souls that exist. Within every single Jew, both at Sadiq and Barasha. Nefesh Achas, one soul is Mitzada Klipa Visitra Achara, comes from a side that is defined as Klipa and Sitra Achara. I will explain the terms in a moment. This soul is the soul that encloses itself in the blood of the human being to sustain and give vitality to the body. as it says in Sefer Vayikra, ki nefesh bedamhi. The soul that invigorates, that grants vitality to the flesh of the human being, ki nefesh the nefesh that sustains the basar, the corporal existence of man, is bedamhi, is enclosed within the blood of the human being. That's one nefesh. Umimena boys call Hamid Israis. 
And from her stem, all the Midas rise, the negative emotions and attributes of the human being. Before we go further, he goes over here to several details. Let me give a brief introduction of what is going on over here. I will explain soon. Valtareb over here sets up, perhaps, or not perhaps, the basic doctrine of the Tanya, that every single human being, every Jew, possesses two souls, two distinct souls. One soul will be called throughout the Tanya a Nefesh HaBahamas, an animalistic soul. Another soul will be called the Nefesh HaLakis, the godly soul. What are these two souls? What are their functions? How do they express themselves? The Nefesh Bahamas has two general functions. Number one, it is that spiritual energy that sustains us and grants us vitality. The biological life of the human being comes from Nefesh Bahamas, Just like an animal, a cow, a horse, or a sheep has a soul, a spiritual energy that allows them to walk, to eat, and to breathe, and to have blood circulation, etc., the same is true with the human being, also has a biological, spiritual nefesh that allows him to, li- to live. This also grants him the ability to perceive things, the five per- uh, senses, where a person can see and hear and smell and taste and touch, all come from this soul. That's one basic aspect of the soul. Literally what we live, physical definition of life, comes from the soul. Therefore in Tanya it is also synonymous with another term, nefesh achiyunis. Nefesh means the soul of vitality because it's the soul that a malistic soul grants vitality. Al-Turebbe will be using both of these terms sometimes together. It has, however, another function. Since it's not dealing just with a plain animal, or for that matter, even vegetation has some type of soul, also a nefesh you're dealing with a human being. So this soul possesses an entire range of attributes, faculties, characteristics, instincts that grant him a personality and a character. This soul is not only a functional soul that allows you to move. It's a soul that comprehends, that understands, that dreams, that fantasizes, that loves, that hates, that has motives, that thinks, that talks, that does. It's an entire structure, an entire faculty of a soul, beginning with the first glimmer of consciousness, or whatever definition you're going to use for soul, a consciousness that manifests itself in a complete character. But nonetheless, but nevertheless, what is the definition of the soul? It's an animalistic soul. Why is this? Because this soul, if you want to define it in one word, it's self-oriented. That's what it cares about. Its entire ambition, what lies at the core of it, is self. I am I, and I would like to be fulfilled. I want to eat, I want to drink. I want money, I want sleep, I want. I like music, I like poetry, I like philosophy. The whole spectrum of the human condition. But what lies at the bottom of it is a sense of self-centeredness, self-orientation. That's the animalistic soul that every human being possesses. Then there is another soul, a nefeshalikis, a godly soul. And this is also a soul, a whole structure of persona beginning with consciousness and manifesting itself in a complete human being, in a complete spiritual structure. But what is this soul? This soul is called a godly soul. What lies at the heart of this soul is transcendence and godliness. The essence of this soul is 
that its connection to ultimate transcendental divine reality, it constantly gravitates to its divine source, like the fire on a wick that constantly rises. And it's that ability in the person for true idealism. True idealism, in other words, true transcendence, rising beyond himself and touching the divine, comes from the godly soul. And every human being possesses both of these souls. And Al-Tarebbe sees in this the source of all the millions of motives, instincts, thoughts, speech, deeds of the human being come from these two souls. Either they can come from the godly soul, which has pleasure and will and, and characters and understanding and feelings, etc., etc. And that can be the motiv- motivating factor of the human being. Either what he does, his behavior or his words or what he thinks comes from the animalistic soul. And the dichotomy in the human being between our spiritual godly aspirations and unearthly tendencies is in essence the dichotomy between this soul and that soul. Now, Terebin Tanya sees the multifaceted, complex human being with all his ups and downs and fluctuations and trials and tribulations, all coming back to the essential duality, the essential created duality that God imbued in the human being between this soul and that soul. Now, Hashem could have created the godly soul to be in China and the animalistic soul to be in America. But He put them both in one body. So they basically, at their disposal, they have one set of hands, one brain, one stomach, and one set of feet. Over here begins a struggle. This is a perpetual struggle. Who, who gets the, who gets the court? And this, over here we have the definitions of different individuals, but that, that is what lies at the heart of these two souls, yeah. Can you just clarify for me, you were talking about this two aspects. You, you say every, every person, every human being, aren't we talking about Yiddin? Yeah, yeah, every Jew, every Jew, yeah. Yeah, every single Jew. Every, for that matter, it should be noted, we will elaborate it at that, but just for the sake of clarity, every single human being, for that sake, every single creature, possesses a divine spark and divine intention. But over here we're talking about the Jew. It's not the same divine spark. Yeah. Okay. Over here, a, it's a good question. There are stages in this. Since the Nefesh is in your body, and since your biological life comes from your Nefesh Bahamis, so the Nefesh constantly needs the Nefesh Bahamis. The Nefesh does not live in one part of your body, and Nefesh Bahamas in another part. The Nefesh Alakis is enclosed within the Nefesh Bahamas and constantly needs and uses Nefesh Bahamas as a medium to deal with a concrete materialistic life. If you, because our physical life comes via the Nefesh Bahamas. You get it? So everything the Nefesh Alakis does on a functional level in experience is always done through the Nefesh Bahamas. But the question is, what is the identity of it? So by a tzaddik, there is full sync between the Nefesh Bahamas and the Nefesh Alakis. And by the way, it can only go one way over here. Because the Nefesh Bahamas is not bad by nature. So it doesn't have to be executed and killed and mortified and murdered. It's not evil. It's just animalistic. It's self-oriented. It can be refined. It can be educated. It can be explained. It can also ultimately result in evil doing and result in Pari Harashas and Haman's Harashas. But it can also, on the other hand, be elevated, be refined. It won't become a godly soul. The tzaddik is that individual who creates beautiful harmony between the two souls. 
And in that itself, there are many levels. We'll see the Tzadik Sheinik Gomer and the Tzadik Gomer and the Dover Amalek Tzadik and Avram Tzadik. The Russia is the one who allows his Nefesh Bahamas to gain mastery over his day-to-day life. The Bainani is the hero of the Tanya. The Bainani is the man who does not rid himself from the Nefesh Bahamas because he cannot rid himself from the Nefesh Bahamas. And his whole life is a struggle, but it's a struggle that Hashem created him for. It's a struggle that creates the beauty of the Bainani, who has a dichotomy in life, who has in him a Nefesh and a Nefesh Bahamas, who has in him heaven and earth, and a perpetual struggle between heaven and earth, but learns how to actualize his godly potentials and live in his day-to-day life with the Nefesh Alakis, although the Nefesh Bahamas still exists. Yeah. Both. The souls, since they are both souls, they all have conscious characteristics and subconscious characteristics, conscious motives and subconscious motives. You're dealing with a full arena of two souls. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. In other words, what happens by him is that the Nefesh Bahamas becomes totally an expression and a conduit for the character of the Nefesh Alakis. So his whole biological life will be in accordance and as a garment just for the godly soul to express itself. Right. For 80 years, yeah. Right. Right. Even a tzaddik has prayer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I'll, I'll address it in a moment, yeah. Well, like, uh, um, it's, we'll discuss it, the Tanya elaborates on this, just briefly, just to answer you, then I'll come to you, is, when you're doing a mitzvah, so it's also the Nefesh is being expressed, because Nefesh would want you doing this mitzvah, so even when your motivations come from the Nefesh Bahamas, Nonetheless, the actual mitzvah is something, so to speak, that nourishes the nefesh al also. But the motivations perhaps come from the nefesh Bahamas. That's possible. It's, uh, sometimes it becomes very difficult to discern what comes from what. But this is the general perspective. And it literally lies at the heart, at the quintessence of the human existence. And from it, stem, every single aspect of our life can be traced back to the nefesh al or to the nefesh Bahamas. And the Tanya goes on and brings the person into himself to see the essential duality that exists in the Nefesh Al-Kis and the Nefesh Bahamas and to learn how to be able to relate both to his Nefesh Al-Kis and to learn how to refine the Nefesh Bahamas. The definition of Klippa is as follows. Klippa means a shell, a husk. And as compared to the shell of a fruit, which first and foremost conceals the fruit, shell of an orange, of a nut. You do not see the fruit. In order to eat the orange, you first have to get rid of the shell. You have to peel it. Only then 
will the actual fruit become conspicuous and you can eat it, consume it, and enjoy it, have delight from it. That is what the klipa is. So the klipa is the shell that conceals over the fruit. The Rebbeinu Shalaylam created the world. Not only created the world, but sustains the universe. Every single moment of creation leads and directs every detail and every facet of the universe and everything that's contained within this universe. Every single moment. But nevertheless, he created a concept called klipa. And those are either objects, creatures, or spiritual energies that are a husk and a shell that conceal the reality, the existence, and the truth of the Creator. There is a pasuk in Shmuel, in uh, Shmuel Aleph and Perik Beis, in the Tshira of Chana, in the Tzila of Chana, after the birth of her child, she says, she says there is no rock. Tzur means a rock like Hashem, like our God. So the Gemara says in Brachis Daf Yud, ain't circulakenu, ain't sirekalakenu. There is no artist like the Rebbe Nishalayla. So Hasidim used to explain why is there no artist like the Rebbe Nishalayla? What is an artist? An artist. If you want to define him in one word, he is a master of deception. He takes a canvas with pigment and a brush and he creates a beautiful painting that seems so real and alive. And the truth is, it's inanimate matter. The picture that you see in the painting is, of course, not a reality. But the greater the power of the artist to deceive the individual and to impart vitality and truthfulness to inanimate matter, the greater the artist he is. Ain't The greater artist of all is the Rabbi He is the master of this. He takes nothing. He makes from it something. In essence, it was nothing. It is nothing. It will be nothing. It has no reality of its own, no validity of its own. Its whole source, origin, root is the Hashkadosh Baruch Hu. Its whole purpose is to serve Hashkadosh Baruch Hu. But nonetheless, you look at the world and it seems so live, so real on its own. This is the art of Hashkadosh Baruch Hu. This is what Klippa is. Klippa is the shell that exists in this world that conceals the truth and the essence of our life and our existence. What is Sitra Akhira? Sitra Akhira is the word in Aramaic for the other side. Sitra means side, Akhira means the other. So Sitra Akhira is Sad Akhir, the other side, which is another way of defining these forces from Klippa. The other side meaning not the side of godliness and holiness, but rather... The side which is antithetical to Kedusha and to Elikos. It's interesting actually to define a whole realm of reality as the other side. Will, will, will any one of you, of you think to define the color white as being not black? As being on the other side of black. White is white. But notwithstanding, in this case, it is defined as being the other side. Because that is precisely what it is. Sitra Akhira. In other words, 
The truth is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. The truth is that the purpose of every single aspect in life is to be developed in a case that it shall house and reveal in itself the reality of godliness. Anything which is not that is called Sitra Akhira. That's its definition. Its definition is not, as many people think, Sitra Akhira is uh, murder and thievery and literally averus of negativity. That's of course Sitra Akhira. That's no question. But Sitra Akhira begins with the self-orientation of our universe. That's what Sitra Akhira means. The, when you lose sight of what its essence is, what its focal point is. What's this Nefesh Bahamas? The Nefesh Bahamas is not evil as we usually define evil. The Nefesh Bahamas could be, as they say in Yiddish, quite an idol in Nefesh Bahamas. Quite a nice person, but it's still an animal soul. Because it begins and it ends with self. It is self-directed, self-oriented, self-centered. The Nefesh Bahamas is the basic dictum and consciousness, I am I. And I would like to be I, and I would like to be comfortable, and I would like my pleasures to be fulfilled, and I would like to live a happy, tranquil, and joyous life. And whatever I need to do that, I will do. So some people like wisdom, some people like music, some people like poetry, some people like working, some people like money, honor, etc. Of course, from the sense of I can stem, and the consequence could be, other, more negative things. That's a state of evolution. But what is the definition of the Nefesh Bahamas? Just an animal soul. Why is it called an animal soul? Because that is the definition of an animal. And it can be quite spiritual and lofty and sublime. But nonetheless, it remains in the realms of selfhood. Of self. So that's why this Nefesh comes from Klippa and Sitra Akhira. Because that's the definition of Klippa and Sitra Akhira. This Nefesh comes from those realms of energy that conceal the basic truth. That the essence of everything is godliness. The purpose of everything is to become a dwelling place for the reality of godliness. But none, nevertheless, this nefesh does not sense it. Beginning with its first glimmer of consciousness, it does not sense it. Throughout its entire personality and what it aspires to is a nefesh of Bahamas. So the Alter Rebbe is saying over here, that this nefesh comes from Klippa and Sitra and it begins with the biological life of man. I exist. I am a live human being. I'm a mitzvah for myself. I'm an independent walking creature who thinks, talks, breathes, and smiles. That's a nefesh of Bahamas. In addition to that, he adds, from this come all the midas rays, ma'arba yisaydis rayim shabbat. Okay, we'll see in a moment. They tell a story about the middle Arab. The Mittler Rebbe was the son of the Balatanya of Reb Shnei Zalman, his uh, middle son. He had three children. His name was Reb Dov Ber. And after he passed away, he is the one who replaced him in the leadership of the Chabad dynasty of Rebbes. He's known in the, as the Mittler Rebbe, the Miller, middle Rebbe. When he was a younger man, the Alter Rebbe, his father, instructed him to guide and instruct the young man who would come to the Rebbe to seek advice and guidance in their service of the Almighty, that he should study with them and direct them and instruct them because the Rebbe did not have enough time to deal with every individual on a day-to-day basis. So the Mittler Rebbe would always demand from uh, those who were under his uh, guidance the idea of coming together, Jews coming together and talking about 
intimate issues of Avedis Hashem. He said that if someone has a problem, an intimate problem, and issues dealing with his spiritual life, his psychological life, his service to the Almighty, he should talk it over with a friend, with a colleague. People express to each other the ills of their heart. And he said that way is the greatest blessing, the greatest manner in which things can be rectified. To have a true friend and colleague to which you can talk about these issues of life. Which is, by the way, where the whole idea of a fabrengen started. In Hasidism is a term called fabrengen. It means a gathering where people gather together and, uh, and discuss spiritual intimate issues in Avedis Hashem together with each other. So the Mittler ever once told someone, he said, after all, when two Jews come together and talk about in Yonim of Yadus, in Yonim of Avedis Hashem, it is two godly souls versus one animal soul. He says, Tzvei nefesh of a nefesh Mathematically, it doesn't seem correct. <laughs> two Jews is two nefesh versus two nefesh Bahamas, not two over one. So what's Pshat? Pshat is Azeh. There's a very major difference between the godly soul and the animal soul. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Even the greatest sinner does not sin for the sake of someone else. He sins for his own sake. He wants the pleasure. I'm not interested. You should sin. The Nefesh Bahamas is very self-oriented. The Nefesh Bahamas wants to enjoy itself. But it does not care for the tranquil state of its fellow's Nefesh Bahamas. It cares about its own Nefesh Bahamas. The godly soul, since it's the godly part of the person, that part in man which gives him the ability to transcend himself, that path, the man which aspires towards the godly realm of existence, that part of man which is truly idealistic, a part that senses the reality and truth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and its entire being and every aspect of its persona gravitates towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Certainly desires that its fellow man's nefeshalikis should also be revealed in his or her life because the nefeshalikis is not selfish. The nefeshalikis wants that the Ratzin Hashem should be fulfilled and the nefeshalikis loves a fellow person like itself. So it cares for the other one's nefeshalikis. So when one Jew is dealing with himself, with his problems, so there's a struggle of one and one. His nefesh shalakis versus his nefesh abahamas. When two Jews come together, what you have is two nefesh shalakis attack one nefesh abahamas. Because when I come together with you, so I have my nefesh shalakis helping me and your nefesh shalakis helping me. But the nefesh abahamases don't help each other. Umimena, and from her, from this nefesh, boys, call hamidais rais, may arba yisaydis rayim shabbat. From this nefesh, Stem also all the midas rice, the evil characteristics deriving from the four evil elements within it. It is a well-known idea in Yiddishkeit that every single physical created being has four yusaydes, four basic elements which constitute the essence of every creature, of every animal, and of every single thing that exists. These are called the Arba Yisaydis. They are Esh, Ruach, Mayim, and Afar. 
Ashes fire, ruach ir, mayim water, and offer earth. By the way, the origin of this is already to be found in Madrash and Parshas Nasai. The Madrash discusses the Karbanes and the Siyim. So there were three Eilis and one Chatas. The Madrash says, Kenegid Arbi In Zohar, they are mentioned many, many times. And the Rambam in Sefer Hayah devotes one and a half chapters to discuss in great detail the idea of these Arbi Yisaitis and Hilchis Yisaitiyatayra, half of Perigimul and almost the whole of Perigdalit. The point of it is, in short, that Hashem created four elements. Eish, Ruach, Mayim, and Afar. Now these four elements are not the fire and water and air and earth that we know. Rather a much more loftier and under less defined state. From these elements, every single creature on this earth derive. Everyone combines all four. Even fire combines all four, the fire that we know, the water that we know, the air that we know, the earth, also is comprised of all these four elements. However, in our physical fire, what is the most emphasized and conspicuous is the fire element. In earth, what is the most conspicuous and emphasized is the earth element. But these four states, these four elements, are much more loftier. They are the potential for these, for all all types of creatures, and from the combination of these elements are comprised all aspects of creation. Uh, by the way, um, uh, some uh, modernists try to uh, explain these Arbi Yisaitis as being connected to the four elements of uh, solid and liquid and gas and energy. So Afra would be solid and Mayim would be liquid. Ruach has, uh, Ruach has gas and Aish has energy. Others want to connect it to... Uh, Matter, antimatter, positive and negative to these four Yisaitis. Uh, by the way, this, when you speak about these four elements, it does not mean that they themselves cannot be subdivided into many elements. Thus, they are not to be confused with elements of chemistry, etc. And there's no contradiction over here. These very elements can have offshoots and be subdivided into many, many more elements. Just like every physical creature contains these Arba Yisaitis, the question is just, which one is more emphasized in his, in, the, in its life? The same is true about spiritual creatures, are also comprised, according to the Torah, from these four Yisaitis. But of course, not from the four physical Yisaitis, from the four spiritual Yisaitis. The Zayar actually, in Parshas Ve'era, has many pages explaining different aspects of creation coming from these Yisaitis. Even the four sides of the world, Mizrach, Mayrev, Dharam, and Safan, also come from the four Yisaitis. The Zayar goes so far as to explain the weather and acclim of these four parts of the world and their correspondence with the four Yisaitis. So everything comes from the four Yisaitis and even the spiritual realities also have four Yisaitis. Its first origin are the four letters of Shem Havaya, the Shem of Yud Kevavke, the Yud, the Kevavke, I can negate these four Yisaitis and since everything comes from the Shem Yud Kevavke, so every level of creation in its entire state of evolution, I don't mean uh, Darwinism evolution, I mean evolution from the spiritual to the physical, contains these four elements which reflect the Yud Kevavke of Hashem's name. So when you talk about souls, they are also comprised of four elements. When you talk about a Nefesh Bahamas, it is also comprised of four elements, but since it's a Nefesh from Klippa, so the four elements are not four elements of Gdusha, they're four elements of Klippa. And these four elements 
produce all the negative characteristics of the Nefesh Bahamas, being as it's a Nefesh Bahamas. What are these Midas Rais? So the Alter Rebbe goes on to say, the Ainu, Kaz v'gaivam yisayd ha'eish v'lamayla. Anger and gaiva, pride, emanate from the element of fire which rises upwards. The connection, of course, of anger to fire does not have to be elaborated upon. We say in the Megillah, His anger was burning in him. Anger, of course, is a state of fire and warmth and heat. And a person who becomes angered is ready to burn and to destroy, to break, to eradicate, etc. What's the connection, however, of gaiva to fire? So the Rebbe explains, fire rises upwards. And gaiva is that self, that sense of superiority. A person has feel that he's superior to other individuals, to other people, and thus can step on them, can insult them, can mistreat them. This is this comes from the negative element of fire rising upwards in a negative sense. The The appetite for pleasures emanates from the element of water. For water promotes the growth of all kinds of pleasure-giving things. Every single person possesses a taivasatanugam, and this is a major feature of the Nefesh Bahamas. It simply wants to have pleasure. I don't have to elaborate about this taiva. I think it's quite familiar to all of us, or some of us at least. Taivasatanugam is the desire to have delight, to have pleasure, in a variety of ways. Everyone has their tanugim. But this is a very conspicuous way where the Nefesh Bahamas expresses itself. It's true self-assertion. I would like to be comfortable at the moment. That's the Nefesh Bahamas. This Taiva Satanugim comes me, Yisait HaMayim. The connection he gives is because Mayim gives growth to all types of Tainuk. Since Mayim gives growth to all types of Tainuk, it means that water itself is intrinsically connected to the idea of Tainuk. So the element of water in the person is that pleasurable, delightful element in him, which seeks Tainuk. It's interesting to note that I think it's a common sense, Alter Rebbe does not say it here, that when we come to a large assembly of water, whether it's a pool even, or certainly a beach or an ocean, there is a certain delight that resonates within the human being at the moment. Most people, it's a very common phenomenon, and water has a unique mystery, that it gives a certain openness. The word is tainuk, it's just a, a general sense of delight, of coming to water, being water, submerging oneself in water, etc. So this taivas atanugam comes from Maya. One moment. Frivility, Hulalus, Lutsanis is scoffing. Dvarim Bedvispirus is boasting. Dvarim Betalem is idle talk. Kami Yisayid Haruach, they emanate from the element of ear. Ear lacks substance. Ear has, is teichenless. It's characterless. At least, as we view it and observe it. And this is what these traits are all about. A frivolous human being, a let, a scoffer, Day and night, that is his involvement. Or loves Dvarim Betelim, gossip, idle talk. All this come from the element of it. There is no substance to it. There is no toichen to it. There is no character to it. 
Kaas and Gaiva have a negative character, but there's some character to it. There's a substance to it. Taivas Atanugim could be very substantial. It's a negative substantiality, perhaps. This, L'chatchila, the person becomes engulfed. And what excites him is things that lack substance. There are people that can devote their life, their entire life, years and years for Litzonis, for just making fun of this person and this phenomenon and that individual. And that, that is what their pleasure is. Their pleasure is frivolousness, hulalus, aspirous environment. And finally, he concludes, at laziness and atzvus melancholiness, depression, they emanate from the element of earth. Earth is characterized by heaviness and a person who unfortunately possesses these two traits of sloth and depression, melancholiness, has a very powerful sense of heaviness, lacks ambition, life, enthusiasm, fervor. In addition to this, Earth is also something that stepped on, and a person who's characterized by atlas and atzvos will never rise to the occasion, but rather allow himself to be stepped on, and that maximize his talents, potentials, and gifts. So these middays are a general uh, framework of negative middays that come from the personality of the Nefesh Abahamas. One person might possess them all, one person might possess them very little, one person might possess one or two. But nonetheless, it's a natural disposition. Since the Nefesh Bahamas is a natural self, it's a natural animal soul, and it has four Yisaitis, th- these middays come from these Yisaitis. Yeah, any questions? Yeah. When you uh, mentioned uh, in Okay. All these, the Nefesh HaLekiz, the godly soul, also possesses these four elements. As everything possesses these four elements. So it also has Eish, Ruach, Ma'im, Afar. But that's Eish, Ruach, Ma'im, Afar, which is holiness, and therefore everything that stems from it is holiness. So Eish can be directed in positive aspects. The same is true with Ruach, Ma'im, and Afar. Tainuk, pleasure and delight, does not have to be animalistic. The soul, godly soul, has plenty of tainuk. The question is how you define this tainuk. The tainuk of the Nefesh Bahamos is a tainuk of, that's self-oriented and self-directed and characterized by self. The Nefesh Kis is another soul. The Nefesh Kis is the godly element in the human being from which, as mentioned, our sense of aspiring to true transcendence and connection with godliness and holiness stems from. Every person possesses these two souls. The story of our life is a perpetual struggle between these two souls, as discussed last week. So all these aspects of Tainug, etc., exist in the Nefesh Kis and should exist. Tainug is not a negative sense per se. Furthermore, in light of the Tanya, the Nefesh Bahamas is not bad per se. It's not something that has to be destroyed, eradicated, and executed. The Nefesh Bahamas, on the contrary, can be educated, refined, sublimated. Because the Nefesh Bahamas is not evil in the sense that it, its whole essence is to do bad things. It's just the essence of the Nefesh Bahamas is it wants to have self-gratification. So it can be refined, and even its Midas 
can be utilized in think and as a conduit to the nefesh alikis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a very good question that you're asking, and it will be explained at length later in Tanya. He discusses that at length. How the, how the, how the work of refining the Nefesh of Bahamas occurs and what happens to its Klippa dynamic. Yeah. So, but now that I know, now that we know that, then how far is the constraint of, uh, Atlas? Is there any way to, from his lady, to include himself knowing this piece of information? Or is it, are you supposed to say it is? In other words, now I learned now that the offer is the root of Atlas. Can that help me? I don't Well, I think it helps to know where things come from, yeah. To deal with it. <laughs> Drink extra water, he's saying. <laughs> no, to overwhelm the offer. <laughs> to drown the offer. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Everything comes from Hashem. Klippus, Etrachah, everything. Yeah. Yeah, we'll soon see. In a moment. It's a complex issue, this. A klippa, by the way, has another dynamic to it. Besides uh, concealing the fruit, it also protects the fruit. It protects it. Where do we have that in the nimshal? We understand the idea of a husk that conceals the truth. Where do we have the protecting aspect? Briefly, why did Hashem make such a world of klippa and sitrach? Hagufakasha. Why did he want a person should have taivus? Okay. So the idea, very well. The Medrash and Tanchuma says, Nisava Kadish Baruch Halis, Ladiri Betachtainim, Parshis Nasai. Hashem desired to have a dira, a dwelling place, in the lowly elements of reality. Betachtainim means in the lowly elements, lowly elements of reality. In other words, he created a world and a human being which has aspects to it that obscure the quintessence of it all which is the reality of godliness it conceals it obscures it to the extent that sometimes it can bring a human being to deny it outrightly and he wanted that the human being should come take himself his life his environment his resources his world and revolutionize it and make that very world a home, a dwelling place which is hospitable to its creator. And that's the whole purpose where there is a realm of klip and sitra that obscures this truth and nonetheless the human being comes and realizes what is the truth of it and takes this world and finds in it how it mirrors, in essence, the perfection and harmonious state of its creator. 
in a person's life himself, he has the Nefesh HaLakis and the Nefesh Bahamas. And the purpose of the Jew is to discover the fact that I have a Nefesh HaLakis in me and relate that Nefesh HaLakis within a reality where a Nefesh Bahamas usually reigns. Through that, a much greater advantage is achieved. Hashem, before the world was created, there was no Klippa. There was no world for that matter. There was only Him. And everything was a dwelling for Him. There was no Tachtoinim that had to be made into a dwelling. So He wanted even a greater Chiddush. The truth of God before the world is created is a truth that shines forth and and exists because there's nothing else to challenge it. What happens through Bria Sa'ilam is that there is a major challenge which is seemingly antithetical to this basic truth. And now when the Jew comes and takes this world which is antithetical, which has clip and sitrachir, and transforms it and brings in godliness to this world, this produces a whole new greater reality where Hashem's truth is revealed and extended into every facet of existence, even into those facets of Klippa. And this is the world that's produced through the Avaita of Yidin, thousands of years, and it's the world which will be conspicuous when Mashiach comes. The world which will be a Dira B'tachtayinim, but it's not created then, it's created now, then it becomes revealed. This world, it says, will be even greater than the state of reality before Bria Sa'ilam, because now it's even in Tachtayinim. So ultimately the Klippa becomes a Shaymer, a guardian for the fruit, meaning that through the Klippa, the fruit itself is elevated to a higher state than it was before. We'll continue now on the first line, Davava Madalaf. In addition to this, also the Midday's Tavis, the good traits which are inherent in every Jew's character, such as compassion and benevolence, <coughs> stem from this soul, from the Nefesh Bahamas. Not only the Midday's Rice we discussed before, Kaas and Gaiva. Also, Midas Tavis, positive characteristics, as Rachmanus and Gmilas Chasadim, also stem from this soul. Shtaltzach de Shaila, it's a soul that comes from Klippa and Sitra Achira. How do Midas Tavis come from it? So he explains, Ki bi Yisrael nefesh zu de Klippa yim eklippas neiga, sheyeshba gamkin teif. For in the case of the Jew, this soul of Klippa is derived from the Klippa, which is called neiga. That's the name of the klipa. And this klipa is yesh begam king It also contains good in it. Vihimi This klipa comes from the esoteric tree of knowledge, the eight sadas, which is comprised of taiver ra, of good and evil. That's the source of this klipa. And since the Nefesh Abahamis of Ayit comes from this type of Klippa, so it's also a combination of Ra and Taif, and thus it has both Midas Ra'is and Midas Taifis like Rahman Sigmilis Khasadim. In Klippa itself, there are two types. Generally speaking, specifically there are many more, but generally they can be subdivided into two ranks. One type of klipa is called klipas neiga. Klipas neiga means a glowing klipa. 
Neiga in Hebrew means Lashen Zericha. It glows, a glowing klipa. Another klipa is defined as Shalish Klippas Atmeyes She'ein Behen Taif Klal. The three unclean klippas that possess no good. So one type of klippa is called a klippa, but it's a glowing klippa. And then there are another three types of klippas that are called Shalish Klippas Atmeyes. They are totally unclean klippas. They do not glow in any form or fashion. This begins with Apostlech and Yechaskel. In Perik Aleph, Yechaskel's vision. Yechaskel's Maisim Merkava, he says he was standing, Begayle was in exile in Bavel, Al-Nahar Kvar, at a river called Kvar, northeast of Eretz Yisrael. That's where Bavel is. And he says that there was a, he had a vision. And he begins the vision, Ve'era, I saw, Ve'inei ruach sa'arabam in atzafin. A stormy wind came from the north. The Aish Mislakachas, a flash, the Anon Godil and a large cloud. The Aish Mislakachas, a flashing fire. The Naikaloi Misavif. Around about it, there was a glow. And he goes on other things he saw. Chashmal, etc. The Zayar explains these four features that he has seen. As four dynamics of Klippa. I have seen from the north, Ruach Sa'ara, stormy wind, is one aspect of Klippa. Anan Gade, large cloud, is a second aspect. Eish Mislakach, is a flashing fire, a third aspect. And Vinaygalay Misaviv, a glow around it, is a fourth aspect of Klippa. Terechagav, even Al Pipshute Shalmikra, even even Rashi, of course, it's not Pshute Shalmikra, it's immediately uh, mystical. But the Pshat is, Rashi says, that he saw from the north, the Tzareis and the exile that will be brought upon the Yidin, that came from the north, from Bava, from Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia, who destroyed the Bayis Rishayt, and Ruach Sa'ara, and Angadlesh, Mislakach, are different features of these Golos problems that will come to the Jews. But I saw that around it, there is a glow of hope, of salvation, ultimately of Geula, for the Yidin. So in Klippes itself, the first three are more severe and negative, and the other one, the fourth, has a glow, a noigalei misavif. What is the difference? So Hasidic teachings explain that klipas noiga is indeed a klipa, it's a shell, as discussed earlier, concealing and obscuring the divine energy and purpose which is embedded in it. But nevertheless, it can be defined as a translucent shell. If it's not transparent, it's at least translucent, in the sense that it allows for a glimmer of the type of the divinity which is in it to come through, through the klipa. So even though that we call it klipa, it's not gnusha because it conceals the divine energy. It's nevertheless impacted and influenced in a conscious way from the type which is in it. That's why we call it a taruvas taivira. That is part of its structure. So when you look at it, it does not, when you discuss the klipa itself, we call it klipa. Because when you look at it, when you absorb it, when, when you observe it, when you have a relationship with it, it is not something which bespeaks its creator. It's not something which attests to the truth, to the all-embracing, all-pervading truth of Hashem Echot. In that sense, we call it klipa. But nevertheless, we say it's a taruvas taver. Because part of its conscious structure is impacted. From the taiv, a glimmer of transcendence comes through in this reality of Klippus And therefore, here comes the human being's task and obligation 
and very powerful energy to come to the Klippas Naiga, to unravel, to probe the layers and to reveal the divine energy which is in it and as a result of that, use it accordance to that divinity and elevate it to the realm of Gdusha. Shalosh Klippas Atmeis, however, their Klippas are totally of a different nature. The Klippa is not translucent, it's rather absolutely opaque, totally concealing absolutely and unequivocally the divine energy which is in it. Hashem created them initially in such a fashion that the divine energy is not felt at all. So in a conscious way, in this klipa, there is no impact and there is no influence from the divine energy. And therefore, under ordinary circumstances, the human being doesn't have the ability to elevate it, to sublimate it to holiness. Because this elevation comes only as a result of the fact that a certain glimmer of the divine consciousness comes through and Hashem created in Shalosh Lippasat Meis that these, this consciousness should be inaccessible to the human being and therefore ordinary our relationship to it must be a negative one. The human being must ignore it, defy it, abnegate it and stay away from it and so forth. As Dalt Rebbe explains later in chapter 7 of Tanya, this is generally the difference between the permitted things in the universe and everything that is forbidden in the universe. Everything that is forbidden, every activity, every pattern, every behavioral uh, routine, and so on and so forth, comes from Shalosh Lepasat Whether it's thievery or deception or cheating, something like murder, God forbid. And for that matter, any Aveda, any transgression, whether the object... The behavioral pattern receives its energy from Shalosh Lepasat and therefore what we have to do is we must defy such an activity, such a behavior. But then there is that space which we call usually the neutral space of the universe. Everything that is forbidden and neutral in our world. The foods that we eat, the homes that we inhabit, the cars that we drive, the hats that we wear, the clothes that we wear the machines that we activate, and so on and so forth, these these objects receive their energy and vitality from which realm? From the realm of Klippas So here comes the childhood task of the human being. Either we can relate to Klippas and leave it as is, if a human being eats a piece of bread for no purpose, just because he's hungry. Sometimes it remains Klippas if the human being eats the bread and uses that energy for a destructive purpose, he lowers the energy from Klippas Nega to Shalosh Klippas Atmeis. The challenge of man is to realize the divine transcendental purpose which is embedded in the Klippas Nega and to use it in accordance with that divine energy and with that purpose. And then what happens is he sublimates the energy of Klippas Naiga, and he elevates it to the realm of Kedusha, to the realm of holiness, as a result of his attitude, of his perspective, and the manner in which he used it, he elevated Klippas Naiga to Kedusha. By the way, someone asked me the other day, Misait Eitz Hadas, Tevira, was Asur. So he weren't allowed to have contact with it. But it's not a Shailah, the Alshech writes about Vusta Alshech, that the Isra of Eitz was only for three hours. Adam, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Adam was created Bishat Shiz on Erev Shabbos, and the Isra of Eitz was for three hours. The Kavana was that he should wait till nightfall, and it says that it's a Shittin Medrash and in Gemara that Eitz Hadas was Anovim, it was a grape tree, and he should take an Eshkoil of Anovim, a cluster of grapes, squeeze it out, and he was supposed to be Mekadesh al-Hayayin, the first Kiddush Friday night, was supposed to be made on the wine of the groups of the Eitz on the grapes of the Eitz And then it would have been Mutter, on the contrary, it would have been sublimated the Eitz 
Unfortunately, that's not what happened. So till today, our Kiddush is Friday nights. Are, uh, we're still trying to rectify that Kiddush then. But, uh, so in essence, a Sadas come from Kutas Noiga, not from Shalosh Lupus Atmeis. It was only for three hours that there was an Isra on it. Masha'enk in the Fashis of Masha'ilam. Masha'enk in the Fashis of the nations of the world. Hein Mish'ar Klippais Tmeis She'en Ben Taif They emanate from the other unclean Klippis which contain no good whatsoever. Masha'kasuv Beit Chaim Shayim Mem Tesperi Gimel as explained in Eitz Chaim Shayim Mem Tesperi Gimel. V'chol Tivu Da'avdin Ha'umais L'Garmayu Avdin. All the good that the nations do is done out of selfish motives. This is a direct quote from Tikkunei Zayhar. It's not the Rebbe quote. Tikkunei Zayhar. Tikkun Vav says, V'chol chesed avdin ha'umas l'garmayu avdin. K'de'isa b'gemara, the Gemara says, Al pasik v'chesed lo memchatos. On the pasik, in Mishle perik yudalit, v'chesed lo memchatos. That the kindness of the nations is sin. The Gemara says in Baba Basra, Daf Yudam et Beis, Shekalz Daka v'chesed sh'umas ha'ilam aysin e'nan ela li'isya'echul. All the charity and kindness done by the nations of the world is only for their self-glorification. So thus, we see from the Gemara that chesed lo memchatas, all that's daka v'chesed is l'garmayu avdin, it's done for self-glorification. When the Baal HaTanya was arrested in 17... 98 in St. Petersburg in Russia because of his opposers who informed on him on several very serious accusations. The Russian government, the Tsar, set up a panel of professors and philosophers to question the philosophical ideas of the Alter Rebbe conveyed in his books that were printed till then. 22 questions they asked him <coughs> for several days. He answered every one. Very elaborative manner, very eloquently, beautiful construction that most certainly impressed them. Question number 21, he answered via writing. And it was also accepted by everyone. People were amazed. Question number 22 was on the last few lines of Tanya Perik Aleph. How do you come along and you make a statement... The other questions were dealing with this perspective on creation, this perspective on Atmatera, this perspectives on psychology, I mean other issues. But this, you're dealing with a courtroom in St. Petersburg full of non-Jews and they wanted to know how do you write such a thing? What would you do in his situation? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He smiled. And they let him go. It was all over. He smiled. What's Pshat? I see you're all also smiling. Chassidim gave two explanations. One is a Balabatish one. And one is a mystical one. One is a Hasidic one. Balabatisha <laughs> one, they said to him. He, he smiled. He, he was indicating, he said like this. You saw what I did with your first 21 questions. 
You saw how brilliantly I answered them. You saw I know my stuff. So you want, I should also explain this and prove it. Let's leave it like this. And Shalom Yisrael. A deeper explanation is, now the Rebbe is smiling. The Rebbe was a Ishalaki. He was a Getleche person. Smiling was not those people on Simchas Teirah who they want to be happy so they pinch their cheeks and they smile. But the Rebbe's a smile emanated from an internal sense of joy and ecstasy. Now it's a famous idea in Teirah that Simcha is Mamtekes Dinim. Simcha sweetens and nullifies negative degree, decrees, negative, negative phenomena. Simcha is the vehicle of the Jew to break through all boundaries and limitations and obstacles that are erected in this world to disturb him from his connection to the Almighty. So at this stage, the last question, that was the climax of all the questions, Simcha is what was Mamtik the Dinim. But let's discuss for a moment the Teichen of what he says here. Dr. Rebbe by no means is saying that Um Yisraelim are not Shayat Rachmanus Agmilus Chasadim and Timidis Tevis. It's Epechatera. In addition to that, it's simply rubbish and nonsense, and it's not reality, it's not realistic. What he is saying, however, is that he are afraid of Shayat Rachmanus Agmilus Chasadim. But the question is where it comes from. If there is any ulterior motives involved or not. Rachmanus Agmilus Chasadim and other Midis Tevis can be for, for, performed for a variety of reasons. You're walking in the street and you see a person who's freezing cold in a weather of ice and snow. They're homeless. They're torn clothes. They have a half a blanket and a small drink of orange juice. This is their life. This is their sustenance. You go by it and you can't stand looking at it. It simply aggravates you, the scene. So you'll give him a dollar. You did him a favor, no question. It's a good thing to do, no question. Stuck. But nonetheless, why did you do it? You can't stand the scene. You can't stand looking at it. Another scenario is you're walking by someone who is in the hospital and sees an ill person and stops to talk with them. And it's a Kazakh, it's a good thing, it's a mitzvah, Why? The person puts himself in that human being's position. He says, What if I would be like that? It's a beautiful thing to do. But the, the reason you're doing it is because yourself. There are people who when they do a favor to someone, they just feel good about themselves. I helped someone else. It's a very common sense. It's extraordinary, but it's very normal. It's an extraordinary act. But there's a sense of self involved. Rahman al chasadim to the extent where the second human being should truly bother you. You should experience the needs of a fellow man is a great chiddush. Why is it a great chiddush? Because a person is self-oriented. So I see in you the part of you which either reflects or helps or defies myself. So my Rahman Milas Chasadim is also motivated by me. Rahman Milas Chasadim that should come from a true sense of experiencing the other individual is, can be said almost to be abnormal. What the Alter Rebbe is saying here is that Umay Sa'ilam are normal people. And a normal people has a nefesh. And the nefesh is defined by I and self. And thus, there can be many, many Midas Taifas. The question is, why do these Midas Taifas come from? To say there's no ulterior motives is abnormal. 
That's what he means. Can do good things. But you know why they come? They come from klipa. What means from klipa? From self. So you can give tzedakah to receive reward from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It still might be for self. You want to be blessed. It has nothing to do with something beyond klipa. It has nothing to do with Gdusha. You can do, get, be Rachmanus because you're scared of a punishment, of retribution. Nebuchadnezzar walked three steps. He received schar for it. He was certainly from Shalosh of Hashem told him, So if he wanted to redeem his sins, it happens through of reasons why you can do good, even if you're from Shalosh of Satmeis. Shalosh means one thing, that in your natural disposition, in your natural characteristic, self is the defining point and focal center. That is the quintessence of Shalosh of Satmeis. I, I, I. If the I finds it right, justified, rewarding, exciting, fulfilling, to engage in good, it will do it. If it finds exciting, rewarding to engage in bad, it will do that as well. The Chiddush is the Nefesh Abahamis of a Jew. That's the Chiddush. The Chiddush is not the end of the period. People say, how can the Alter Rebbe say such a thing? I say, every normal person says the same thing. You go over to a person in the street, find me a person who does Rachmanus Agmelus Chasadim, and you can truly say that there was no vestige of self-involved. It's abnormal phenomena. There's some vestige of self-involved. It's not a Chiddush thing in Avshal Zabzat Meis. The Chiddush is the other way. That he's saying a Jew, even in his natural klipa, is capable of true menschlichkeit. And true menschlichkeit means, not as we define menschlichkeit in the street, a good morning with a smile. True menschlichkeit means experiencing the other person. And that's something which is a major chiddush. In light of this, <laughs> we have to understand the term Shalosh Lipas Atmeis Shaim Ben Tayv Klau, Tayv and Ra. The terms Tayv and Ra here in Tanya are not to be understood as we usually interpret the terms Tayv and Ra, both in the end of this chapter and, by the way, generally in Tanya. The terms Tov and Ra in most cases, there are a few exceptions, in most cases should not be understood as we usually understand Tov and Ra. Tov and Ra as we usually interpret it as Tov is a good act and Ra is an evil act. Who defines what is a good and what is evil? In the Tanya, he discusses Tov and Ra from a deeper perspective. Tov means transcendence. Ra means ego. Tov is understood in terms of unity Ran terms of fragmentation of divisiveness. Toiv is that which recognizes, recognizes its self-nullification and abnegation before the all-pervading reality of Hashem. Ra is that which has an autonomous, independent reality in space. So therefore the Nefesh Bahamas of the Jew, which comes from Klippas Naiga, which is a Tairuvas Taiva Ra, which means it's not absolutely Ra, rather it has Taiv, which shines f- through, which shines forth. 
there was a glimmer of taif. So it's impacted and it's influenced in a conscious way from the taif dynamic from a transcendental energy. And therefore the Nefesh of Bahamas of the Jew is capable, not necessarily does it always act in that way or feel that way, but it's capable even in a conscious way of experiencing true Rechmanus Agmanus Chasadim in the ultimate sense of the words. When we say Shalosh Lipas Atmeis ain't been taif clout, there's no taif. The Shalosh Lipas Atmeis can be doing very good things. But we call it Torah Lara because it's self-oriented. So in the Nefesh Abahamas of Klippas Naiga, there can be an experience of other human beings. In Shalosh Lipas Atmeis, Shein Ben Taif Klal, these Klippas are defined solely in terms of self-preservation and self-enhancement. And therefore, all the good that comes from this realm of Shalosh Lipas Atmeis is ultimately done because that will bring something, it will bring some benefit and some gain to the human being engaging in it. So as a result of the Shalosh Lipas Atmeis, he can do a lot of good. But ultimately, what is the drive? What is the force behind all this good? It's an egotistical drive. It's ego-driven. It's driven by the need and the want to enhance myself and to perpetuate myself and to grow and to accelerate and to perfect myself and so forth. Again, whether it's done for honor, whether it's done for a name, for prestige, for creating a legacy, it's done, why not? Why shouldn't I do it? Or all the other reasons we discussed earlier. But whatever the case is, these are all very normal and very nor- very menschlich in our universe. From the perspective of the Alter Rebbe, from a deeper transcendental perspective, he calls that Ein Ben Taif Klam. And again, as I emphasized earlier, this is important to understand. This is not the Chiddush. This is what it makes sense to say naturally. At the root of man's identity, at the core of man's identity, is the need and the drive to perfect that identity, and to enhance that identity, and to preserve that identity, and to gratify and to fulfill that identity. So that's normal. So the Shalosh Lipasat Meis can be engaging in a lot of good things, also in a lot of negative things. But at the core of it stands the ego. The Chiddush is the other way around. The Chiddush is the natural disposition of the Jewish animal, so to speak, where there's a dynamic of self, the conscious of self-transcendence which comes through, where man can truly experience the pain and the anxiety of another human being. And as a result of that, the Nefesh Bahamas possesses certain natural Midas Tavis. On the other hand, this Tavis is mixed with Ra. So it possesses a whole other dimension as well. Midisrois, as he discussed before. Kaz, Gaiva, Atzlos, Atzlos, whatever it may be. Now it should be emphasized that the tithe of Klippas Neige is not identical to the tithe in the realm of Gdusha. First of all, it's a lower level of tithe. The very fact that it can get mixed and become intertwined and interconnected with Ra, with a concealing shell, demonstrate that some much lower level of divine energy of Taiv than the Taiv which is in Gdusha. And even the Taiv which is mixed with the Ra, in Klippas Naiga, godliness is not felt. As mentioned before, Klippas Naiga, anything that comes from Klippas Naiga does not bespeak in a vibrant and a conscious and a clear way the reality of Hashem, the reality of godliness and spirituality. So the taiv, so to speak, becomes submerged within the Ra, but it does impact. Its influence is exerted and its influence is not felt, but it's not revealed. 
Therefore, it requires a lot of work of refinement and sublimation. On the other hand, it should be emphasized, Gimel Klippus Apmeis have also a in them. Nothing can survive without divine energy. Everything is created by Hashem and is continually sustained by Hashem. And therefore, it's by necessity, even Shalsabzakmeis must have divine energy. But Hashem created in such a way that divine energy is totally concealed within the shell. And its identity, the type identity, is relegated, so to speak, to the subconscious sellers of the consciousness of Shalsabzakmeis. Now, in Tanya, the Al-Turabba usually addresses issues in a very brief and concise manner. So he says here, By the way, although in the published Tanyas it says, Because in the Luach HaTikun, which is printed in the back of the Tanya, where there are the corrections, it says that it really has to say, The reason why it's printed is because in the countries with the Tanya, was published originally as a result of the various sociological factors. There was censorship. So it was changed from Umis Ha'ilam to Umis Ha'ilam. means idol worshippers. Umis Ha'ilam means nations of the world. It's parenthetical. But in other discourses, the author, the Alter Rebbe, points out that there are, there's an exception. There's a powerful exception. In other Hasidic discourses, from the Alter Rebbe, in his Siddur, in Sha'ar Chagamatzis, in the section of Pesach dealing with Matzis, he makes mention of the fact that the Neshamis of Chassidim of the pious, of the Chassidim from the nations of the world, come from Klippas Naiga with all the ramifications which are connected with Klippas Naiga. His son, the Mitle Alter Rebbe, son, the Mitle Rebbe, in his Kuntus Haispailus, also mentions this, and in a more elaborative manner. In Likuti Biurim on Kuntersai Spilus, which was authored by a great Chassid of the Mitle Rebbe and the Tzamachtadik named Reb Hillel of Parich. And in fact, even in Zayhar, in Parshas Mishpatim, there is an indication of this concept. What is the definition of Chassidiyah Masailah? So in the above mentioned discourses, an explicit, clear definition of Chassidiyah Masailah, whose souls derive their energy from Klippas Naiga, is not given. But generally speaking, the Rambam and Hilchis Malachim, and Safpei Ches tells us that every Gentile, every non-Jew who accepted on himself, and every non-Jew accepts on himself to observe the seven Noah Hyde laws, and he observes them, and the Rambam adds, by the way, they have a part in Elam Haba in the world to come. The Rambam writes this in three places. In Hilchus Malachim, as mentioned, the end of chapter 8, in Hilchus Tshuva, in the third chapter of Hilchus Shuvan and Hilchus Eidus in Perikud Aleph. Really, there's an argument about this, about the Chelek Elam Haba. If Yeshlam Chelek Elam Haba in uh, between Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Yeshua, in Teisefte, in Mesichta Sanhedrin, the beginning of Perikud Gimel, Tosabron in Gemara Sanhedrin, but the Rambam Paskins like the Shit of Rebbe Yeshua, and he says that Chesidim Masailam Yeshlam Chelek Elam Haba. Yeah, you wanted to ask something before? Yeah. Okay. Why does Dalton Rebbe ask you, why does Dalton Rebbe have to bring proof from the Kabbalah of the Arizal? From the Kabbalah of the Arizal, written down by Rabbi Chaim Vital, that a Jew has two souls, 
and a posikov from Yeshaya, Unashamas and Yasisi, it says Befeir Shechazal in many places. For example, you mean the Gemara in Brachas, Hamachalif, Vayitzer Hashem Alekim Adam. so the Gemara says, Vayitzer, Shnei Yitzorim Hashem created in men two inclinations, Vayitzer Tev Yitzahara. Then there's the other Maim Chazal Vayar Alekim Es Kalashrasa Vihine Tev Ma'ayit. So the Gemara says Tev Chazal tell us Tev Zayet Sahara Tev Zayet Tev Tev Ma'ayit Zayet Sahara. So why does the Alter Rebbe have to cite the source that are two souls from who from Reb Chaim Vital in Eitz Chaim and in Shara Gdusha? It's a very good question. I will not get into it at the moment. It requires a separate discussion and a separate issue, which we will discuss in the future, Mir Tasha. The point is that the terms Yetzir Tov and Yetzir are not mamish synonymous with the terms Nefesh Alkis and Nefesh Abahamas. They are connected, they're Befedish connected, but they're not mamish the same thing. And the doctrine of the Tanya is based on the concept of two souls, which has been introduced primarily first by the Lurianic Kabbalah, by the Kabbalah of Arizal Surah but we'll talk about it in Hashem in the future. They have a good day and a wonderful week. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.